Welcome to the Law and Justice podcast brought to you by Frauja K. Happy Mother's Day to all incredible mothers in the world. Today's episode is dedicated to all mothers who have fought for our rights, social changes, and justice. We all know women and girls around the world have to face such economic challenges since their childhood to the last day of their lives. The male-dominated societies have made sociocultural norms to dominate women, to humiliate them, and to oppress them. Still, in this modern world, women are yet to get equal work opportunities, equal wages, equal treatments, and respects. While there are various sociocultural evil practices that target certain social groups and discriminate on the basis of race, sex, color, religion, origin, and many more. In most cases, women and girls are the worst sufferers in this context. Racism and colorism are some of the worst practices that affect women alarmingly comparing to men. But we need a systematic change and raise awareness against these evil and inhuman practices. From this perspective, I'm determined to my goal and want to educate people globally on these issues so that we can collectively achieve our goals to build a peaceful world where every individual will be respected, ensured a secure life free from fear of humiliation, assault, or injustice, and where human dignity, social and environmental justice, and peace will be the ultimate priorities. Today, I want to discuss the impacts of racism on women and I want to remind my audience again that women and girls are the worst victims in any challenging scenarios. Racism and colorism are also covers for women of color, whether they are black women or women with a darker complexion in communities in Asian countries. Little over 100 years ago, the US Congress ratified the 19th Amendment which ruled that women could not be denied the right to vote because of their sex. This amendment was the result of heartfelt efforts from many women and some men who recognized that this enfranchisement then as now was a blight on the nation and hindered the U.S.'s potential to achieve its stated goals of becoming a functioning democracy. The 19th Amendment was especially significant for black women who, despite the 15th Amendment's promises of voting rights regardless of race, still could not vote because of their gender. The fact that it took two different constitutional amendments first a half-century apart to secure black women's right to vote underscores how both race and gender have always mattered in significant ways when it comes to women of color. A century later, race and gender continue to create divergent and uneven outcomes for women of all races and for men of color. This particularly evident in the underrepresentation and experiences of women employed in professional occupations. An off-sided statistic, for instance, reveals that as a result of factors including but not limited to motherhood penalties, gender discrimination, and occupational segregation, women make 79 cents for every dollar men earn. But black women earn only 64 cents on the dollar, and for Latinas, it is a dismal. 54 cents. As it was in the early 20th century, women of color continued to experience occupational and economic disadvantages that reflect the ways both race and gender affect their work experiences. 
How do racism and sexism impact women of color in professional settings? Research indicates that both factors adversely affect women in a variety of occupations through staple leadership opportunities, the ongoing persistence of specific forms of sexual harassment, and subtle but pervasive doubts about competence, intelligence, and skills that are unrelated to actual performance. In today's professional occupation, networks, mentors, and connections play important roles in advancement. Research indicates that black women are more ambitious and more likely to say that they want to advance in their companies than their white women counterparts, but are less likely to find mentors who will aid their climb up the corporate ladder. As sociologist Tisdale Maleko points out, sometimes there is a function of white executives' unfamiliarity and discomfort with black women. As one attorney in Maleko's study, nurse, executives who rarely if ever have black people in their professional and personal circles may be uncertain or uncomparable interacting with them as peers. Other times, this lack of mentoring is a consequence of intentional exclusion when leaders make it a point not to include black women in teams as mentees or on important projects. But either way, these parents thwart black women's mobility in organizations and their ability to realize ambitions and secure leadership roles. And black women are left to struggle harder to access and advance in these professions with occupational underrepresentation and waste disparities to show for it. It's important to note that these issues are not limited to black women. In a recent study, sociologist Margaret Chin finds that Asian American women experience racialized and gendered forms of sexual harassment that leads to isolation and results in exclusion from leadership opportunities. Latinas too find that co-workers may interact with them based on stereotypes that they are unintelligent or illegally in the country depictions that then require extra work to disprove. Women of color are usually underrepresented in professional, high-status jobs in law, medicine, academia, and business. When they do make it to these rarefied roles, but are the only ones in an organizational setting, they are more likely to doubt the company's commitment to inclusion and equity, and thus are more likely to want to pursue opportunities elsewhere. Yet, we know that. When companies put measures in place that focus on achieving more gender diversity, women of color often lose out unless there is an explicit focus on race as well as gender. Joe Spazek, Associate Professor of Communication Studies and Faculty Associate in the Center for Political Studies at the University of Michigan, says the under-differentiation of black women from black men may help explain why black women face similar rates of racial disparities in traffic stops and arrests, but anti-racist movements often focus on black men in the fight against police brutality. Black women are often overlooked in people's conversations about racism and sexism. 
even though they face a new combination of both of these forms of discrimination simultaneously. In this moment, we can see how much more attention has been paid to the murders of Ahmad Arbari and George Floyd than the murder of Breonna Taylor. Arbari, a 25-year-old black man, was shot dead in February after being chased by three white men as he jogged through a neighborhood in Brunswick, Georgia. Taylor, a 26-year-old black woman, was shot and killed by police in a Louisville, Kentucky apartment in March. Floyd, a 46-year-old black man, was killed during an arrest in Minneapolis in May. His death set off protests across the country. Previous research has found that blackness is associated with masculinity, leading to errors in categorizing black women's gender or recognizing black women's faces. Other studies have found that black women and girls are more associated with threat and danger than are white women and girls. Feminist movements that focus only on issues that predominantly affect white women without addressing racialized sexism ignore the needs of black women who face high rates of police abuses, including sexual violence. Previous research also has found that black women experience much higher rates of domestic and sexual abuse from partners than white women, and black women are less likely to report this violence than white women. Feminist and anti-racist movements should include black women in leadership roles and advocate for the rights of black women. The key often starts with listening to black women about their concerns and what their needs are and then delivering accordingly. African-American women are disproportionately affected by multiple sexual and reproductive health conditions compared with women of other races or ethnicities. Research suggests that social determinants of health, including poverty, unemployment, and limited education, contribute to health disparities. However, racism is a probable underlying determinant of these social conditions. All races' experiences, whether medical, interpersonal, or institutional, add up an equal life full of frequent, persistent stress for black women. Studies show this toxic stress primers an inflammatory response in the body at the cellular level, the same inflammation at the root of preeclampsia, hypertension, dementia, and other chronic conditions that black women are at higher risk of having or dying from. Premature death before the age of 75 is more common in black people than Hispanic and white people. The health inequities are struggling and the mental health effects of stress caused by racism are unavoidable. The effects of racism and gender bias on mental and physical health cannot be ignored, and the importance of listening to and taking care of black women when it comes to their health cannot be denied. While women are the ones primarily affected when race and gender inequalities coincide, the human race as a whole is disadvantaged and its progress retarded by these injustices. Black women are five times more likely to die during childbirth and Asian women are twice as likely to die during childbirth compared with white women in the UK. 
women from ethnic minorities are voicing their concerns that they face endemic structural racism when seeking and accessing healthcare and they feel that their symptoms and signs are more often dismissed. From a medical perspective, this disparity was initially thought to be because of a difference in the manifestation of hypertensive disorders or diabetes. Sadly, there are also similar disparities in neonatal infant mortality in the UK and in the US. Serena Williams, US tennis player, helped raise awareness of these inequalities and the sense that ethnic minority women are not being listened to by talking about her own experience of pulmonary embolism in her postpartum period. So as for the work is done in the UK to unpick why there is this disparity in maternal and infant mortality, we can't ignore patients' experience. It's heartening that the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists has developed a women's network to embed the voices of women in RCOZ meetings and guidelines. The RCOZ also published an article in the winter 2019 membership magazine ONG by Christine Hikaisi called We Need to Talk About Race in which the uncomfortable truth about underlying service biases is discussed. Chlorism is a form of discrimination that favors light-skinned members of the same ethnic group. Despite its major impact of communities around the globe, it's been barely discussed until now. In late June 2020, amid public backlash, L'Oreal announced that they would remove the words white, fairness, and light from all of their skin products, in particular from their Garnier product line, which has thus far been widely marketed as a range of whitening products in South Asian countries. A widely discussed phenomenon in black communities, chlorism has been, until recently, barely spoken of in South Asian circles, despite the amount of trauma and even death it has left in its wake. But the May 2020 killing of George Floyd that sparked worldwide protests and conversations surrounding anti-racism has brought about a social awakening for people in South Asian countries and their diasporas. A new Netflix reality series called Indian Matchmaking also has sparked significant debate after its protagonist, a globe-touring Indian woman who hunts down potential spouses for her clients, put lighter-skinned women and men on a pedestal, championing their complexion as an obviously desirable attribute. In the wake of these protests and continued highlighting of discriminatory ideals in pop culture, more and more people have begun to denounce colorist ideals and the products that espouse them. Unilever, the parent company of the popular skincare brand Fair and Lovely, also announced that all skincare products under its umbrella would have the words fairness, whitening, and lightening removed, and the Fair and Lovely brand would be renamed Glow and Lovely. A spokesperson for the company says these changes to the brand were already underway but have been accelerated in light of recent events such as the launch of a widespread petition calling for the company to pull fair and lovely from shelves altogether.
and people on social media denouncing university EO Alan Job for criticizing systematic racism while continuing to market and sell the incredibly profitable 256 million pound a year line. And while changing the name to Glow and Lovely has garnered the company some praise, experts say it's not enough. It is, after all, still on the shelves. Nikki Kana, a professor of sociology at the University of Vermont, who has been studying race relations and colorism for more than 20 years, says, I don't know if it is any different. I commend them because it was probably one of the most recognizable brands. But I'm disheartened to hear that it's glow and lovely because glow really is just another way of saying lightning. The word glow itself, the image it is conjuring and the advertisements they produce through the years are of women who have this glowing white image. My hope is that we see a repackaging again and when I say repackaging, what I mean is a complete elimination of this product. While much more research needs to be done, several studies have pointed out the damage caused by colorism. One consequence is the effect on mental health. One study, for example, found a correlation between symptoms of depression and prejudices against darker skin tones among Asian American women. One study on Indian arranged marriages found that darker skin marriage candidates were rated lower in preference by prospective mothers-in-law compared with their light skin counterparts. These findings are not surprising. Preferences for light skin brands have been prevalent in Orange Mary's newspaper advertisements for decades. Light complexion women often are highlighted in these ads as a way to attract more prospective grooms. Historically, a lot of communities have held blackness as a bad thing and there are lots of connotations of people who have darker skin tones being dirty or less educated that people have culturally transmitted across time within and outside of their groups, says Alicia Tran, one of the studies authors and associate professor of counseling psychology at Arizona State University. Within the South Asian community, this has a long history with ties to the caste system and social hierarchies. One of the most prominent manifestations of older generations imposing colorist ideals occurs in the realm of matrimony, as seen in Indian matchmaking. In South Asian communities, it's common practice for parents to arrange the marriages of their adult children by meeting prospective spouses and their families. Historically, the young couple can only spend their lives together if the elders approve of the match. Although, in recent years, more and more young people are choosing to go the love marriage route through which they select their own partners, sometimes at risk of estrangement from their families.
social media campaigns like Drug is Beautiful and Brown is Beautiful have started to create a space for drug skin South Asians to talk about their shared experiences, break the silence, and alter the discourse on colorism in their communities. Many studies have documented that various forms of racism and discrimination influence mental health and well-being. For instance, perceived racism is significantly associated with subjective well-being, psychological distress, depression, and substance abuse among African Americans. Similarly, discrimination events are linked to worse self-reported health and to increased risk for hypertension, infections, illnesses, and lifetime history of a range of physical diseases. For African American women, racism-related stress may be compounded by experience of sexism. Like racism, sexism is reflected in individual attitudes collective ideology and the structure of social institutions. Chronic and acute stressors associated with sexism are linked to women's mental and physical health outcomes. Recent studies indicate that gender discrimination predicts psychological distress, anxiety, anger, obsessive compulsivity, somatic symptoms, and depression. Commonly held stereotypes and media images portray young African-American women as dangerous, sexually promiscuous, and prone to violence. Alternatively, older African-American women are viewed as mammy figures, nurturing, servile, and passive. While all race gender subgroups are susceptible to problematic set of stereotypes, the confluence of representations of black womanhood create a system of operation that works to silence African-American women, making them vulnerable to sexual violence, discrimination, and sexism in ways that white women are not. Colorism is a particularly divisive form of bias. In the face of racism, people of color can usually turn to the support of their communities. But that's not necessarily the case with colorism. While members of a person's own racial group may reject or resent them due to the skin color biases rooted in the West history of white supremacy. Colorism in the African-American community led to light-skinned black Americans treating their darker counterparts in the same discriminatory fashion as white people have treated people of color generally. Dark-skinned black Americans could be denied the chance to join certain civic groups, clubs, and sororities in their schools and neighborhoods. This led to these African-Americans being doubly discriminated against by white people and the light-skinned black elite like Colorism turns intensely personal when it shows up in families. It can lead to parents favoring one child over another because of their skin color. This may erode the rejected child's self-worth, break the trust between parent and child, and foster sibling rivalry. Colorism has long been linked to restrictive beauty standards. Those who embrace colorism not only tend to believe lighter-skinned people over their darker-skinned counterparts, but also view the former as more intelligent, noble, and attractive than darker-complexioned people. Actresses Lupita Nyong'o, Gabrielle Union, and Kiki Palmer have all spoken about how they deserved lighter skin growing up because they thought darker skin made them unattractive. This is especially telling given that all of these actresses are widely considered to be good-looking and Lupita Nyong'o earned the title of People magazine's Most Beautiful in 2014. Rather than acknowledging the beauty can be found 
and people of all skin tones. Colorism narrows beauty standards by deeming only light skinned people as beautiful and everyone else as less than. While colorism is often thought of as a problem that exclusively afflicts communities of color, that is not the case. Europeans have prized fair skin and pleasant hair for centuries, and blood hair and blue eyes remain status symbols for some people. When the conquistadors first traveled to the Americas in the 15th century, they judged the indigenous people they saw on their skin color. Europeans would make similar judgments about the Africans they enslaved. Over time, people of color began to internalize these messages about their complexions. Light skin was deemed superior and dark skin inferior. In Asia, though fair skin is said to be a symbol of wealth and dark skin a symbol of poverty, as peasants who toiled in the fields all day typically had the darkest skin. If a child is born with dark skin and learns that dark skin is not valued by her peers, community, or society, she may develop feelings of shame. This is especially true if the child is unaware of colorism's historical roots and lacks friends and family members who shun skin color bias. Without an understanding of racism and classism, it's difficult for a child to understand that no one's skin color is innately good or bad. Thank you for listening. To listen all my episodes, please follow and subscribe to my podcast. Stay empowered and raise your voice against injustice anywhere.